John chapter 6 verse 63, Jesus said, The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. A warm welcome to the refreshing word of Calvary Baptist Church. You are in for an uplifting time in God's word. Enjoy the message. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Indeed, our God is good. He's good because he lives and he reigns forever and ever. For the next few weeks, I'll be looking at the book of Timothy, one of the very important books in the Bible. Every book is important in the Bible. Timothy tells us a lot about what we can know and do as a young person. Timothy. What's Timothy? We are told that Timothy was just a child when Paul visited his hometown, Lystra. He was somewhere between 10 to 12 years old. Paul would have seen this young man and he was so excited about him because even at that time, the young man's faith was very obvious. You see, there are some people when you meet them, you can tell that this person has been trained, this person has been groomed. This young man has a good character. The Bible is clear. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. So it is also possible that Paul led Timothy to the Lord on that tour, but it's more probable that Timothy's mother and grandmother led him to the Lord. But Timothy was becoming a good Christian son. They could already tell. And he was growing rapidly in the Lord. So when the opportunity came for Paul to invite people to join him on the missionary journey, he thought, ah, this can be a boy. This can be a child who I can trust to follow me and be a young man just following, looking, and learning and maybe become a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul invited him. So from the point of view, Paul was ministering with Timothy because he loved him, because the man had showed a lot of potential. He could tell that God's hand was on this boy, and unlike the other boys who were roaming around doing all kinds of things that boys do, this man had a taste for the things of God. Well, Paul suffered a couple of imprisonments. It looks as if on some of those imprisonment, Timothy would have gone to prison with Paul. But let me read what one writer said. Apparently, Paul was released from prison and Timothy began to travel with him again. On this journey, Paul left him in Ephesus to correct some errors that had arisen while Paul himself traveled into Macedonia to visit the churches. Paul was in prison the second time, and as soon as possible, Timothy joined him. By this time, Timothy was in prison also. However, Timothy was released again, while Paul was either beheaded or released and began a tour in Spain. So the scriptures are not clear, but what is clear is that Paul and Timothy crisscrossed each other, even including Timothy, going to prison to be there with Paul. That's the connection they had. He loved what Paul loved, Jesus Christ. 
He loved the gospel. His father was a Gentile. His mother and grandmother led him to the Lord. But this was his own growth, his own appetite for the things of God that attracted him to Paul. It was his willingness in those days without cars to go Kagdi or Edi Wangwan to walk with him. His willingness to go on errands where Paul could say, Timothy, will you go to Ephesus? The boy said, yes, I'll go. It was probably those things that eventually earned him a mark in the kingdom of God. It is those things that possibly caused him to have a book named after him, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy. I always want us to think about it this way, believers, young people. You see, when Timothy was doing all those things, he never thought that Paul would write a book and give it to Timothy to send to churches. Or that today, 2,000 years after he did what he was doing, it will be recorded, we'll be preaching about him, and there will be a book, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy. You think about this. One of these findings, when the Lord comes, we go, or if there's another universe or an, a, a, another opportunity for the gospel to be written, if the Lord doesn't come, will it be named 1 Joel, 2 Joseph, Rebecca's book, or will your name appear anywhere? And when it appears, what is it that will be said about you? Well, so far, for a little background, because really the backgrounds just that help us to understand the book better. Paul spoke to Timothy. Somebody has just titled it, Stay on the Job. Stay on the Job. A very interesting book. So now let me read 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Keep your Bible open. We just drew the introduction briefly today. It says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God, our Savior, and the Lord Jesus Christ, our hope, to Timothy, a true son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God, our Father, and Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Just two verses. Now, Paul, therefore, is writing to this child of his. He's writing like a strong man, sending tender greeting to a young man. It was a greeting that had some authority about it. Paul, Paul. He calls himself Paul, a minister of the grace of God. Look at how he introduces himself. Incredible. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God, our Savior, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's try to unpack these, because we read the Bible, but this is what Bible study is all about, that you pause. You take every word or every phrase or every sentence to see exactly what is being said. Paul is now telling us his credentials. Paul calls himself an apostle of Jesus Christ. The word apostle, apostolos, means a person who is sent out and sent forth. An apostle is a representative. He's an ambassador. Somebody who has been sent to go and do work in another country. Just like we have Ghana's ambassador to Senegal or to Uganda or a British ambassador to Ghana, United States ambassador. We have ambassadors 
all over, sent by one country to another. So when they go, even the compound they live in belongs to that country that sent them. So when you go to the US embassy, you enter that compound, you see, you are in America. If something happens, you run there. Ghana laws do not apply. They have to get permission before they arrest you there. Now, look, <laughs> praise the Lord. Paul is on this earth here, and he's calling himself an ambassador of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. That's how he sees himself. Young man, young lady, my dear listening friend, how do you see yourself? How did Paul, who was not even there, he was not one of the 12 apostles, how did he come to that title when he can call himself an apostle and be writing to somebody? Well, he tells us clearly, he said, look, I am an apostle by the commandment of Christ our Lord and Savior. So, the apostle, he belongs to a king of a country that sends him out. So he believes, Paul, that he belongs to God, he belongs to heaven. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit have anointed him and they've sent him. So he's on earth here on a mission. He's been commissioned and sent out. That is why we read about Paul's first missionary journey, second missionary journey, and third missionary journey. There are some who call themselves apostles, but they are not willing to go anywhere because they are not obeying the voice of the master. If you are going out, whether you have a title or no title, believe you me, if you believe God has sent you out, you are going out to do his will. But Paul also says something. He possesses all the authority and the power of the person who sent him. So you see these ambassadors, you see them on TV. When they come, then they say they are presenting their letters of credence as ambassadors. Very important. Paul was an ambassador by the command of God. The word command means he's under orders to be placed under obligation, to be given instructions by a higher official that must be carried out. So you are doing something, the police say stop. Why? Because they have the order and authority of the government to stop you. If not, they will change your sleeping place. That's how Paul sees himself. The word commandment or command has a sense of compulsion, force, and necessity that if it's necessary, force will be used. So you see some of these soldiers, you see some of these policemen, you see them, they are carrying pistol or they are carrying water cannon, they are carrying this and that. And when you are doing something, they say stop, you don't stop. They, they can fire at you if necessary, appropriate. Sometimes they are wrong. But if you use unnecessary force to try to harm them, they can't stop you. Oh, am I jumping ahead of myself? Yes. If you are sent as a child of God and you have demons and witches and all those things disturbing you and you are a child of God, you can rebuke them and stop them in the name and in the power of Jesus Christ. Paul says, I'm a minister of God sent forth under the command of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He is the one who has sent me. He's the one who says I should occupy territories for him. And that's what I'm doing. And I've found this man, Timothy, and I've placed him in charge of a church as most believers or most authors think that by the time he was talking, Timothy was leading those churches. So he's telling him something. 
He's stressing his apostleship to indicate that Timothy is to share in this ministry. That is not a child's play. If God has put him there, then he must do what God has called him to do. He was an apostle because of God our Savior. And he is now appointing this young man to do what God has called him to do. But as you go on, we learn a number of things about Paul and what he's telling Timothy. Paul makes three forceful points. And that's just all that we may have time to look at today. Three forceful points. When he's telling Timothy, stay on the job. And the same points that we are making today when God is calling you, he has given you a commission. See, each and every one of us has been given a gift by God. If you have accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, he's given you a gift. There are so many gifts. Some say there's nine, some say 10, some say 18, some say 27. Whatever it is, it's more than you need. So, is it apostleship? Is it a prophet? Are you a teacher? Are you a preacher? Are you a worker of miracles? Are you, do you have the gift of giving? Whatever gift you have, a gift of service, gift of help, the Lord has given to you, they should use it. Now, when you have that, Paul, as an elderly Christian, who can see that sometimes the younger ones do not appreciate what they've been given, was given this thing, this command to Timothy. And he's asking Timothy to take note of what he, Paul, he's, he's saying to him. He was an apostle by the command of God. He's under authority to coach, to lead, to direct Timothy. He's, he sees himself as looking for somebody who will carry on with what God has asked him to carry on. Paul stresses his apostleship to indicate that Timothy must also take whatever God has given to him seriously because he will be asked to account for it one day. Do you think that God made a mistake in appointing you or giving you a gift, giving you a talent, giving you a position, whether it is in the office, in the church, in the market, where he has placed you? Do you think he made a mistake? No. He will ask you to account for it one day. He has given you the authority to be the best that you ought to be there. If you do not experience it, you do not have it, or it's not part of your thinking process, can you pause and say, Lord, he is saying, Paul is saying, an apostle by the command of God. He's accepting it. Lord, let me accept the title, the position, the authority, the enablement, the equipment, the gift you've given me. Ask coming from you, and that let me live in accordance to that. But Paul also said he was an apostle because of God our Savior. Christ our Savior, who has saved him. You see, you can be anything you want to be, but if you have not given your life to Christ, you can say, God made me. But if he has not saved you, it may be difficult for you to do the will of God. Because if you have not given your life to Christ to save you, then it means you are Satan's child and he is going to enslave you. People all around us, until they give their life to Christ, and even you, 
and me, until we give our life to Christ, were enslaved by sin, gripped by death, doomed to the judgment seat of God, and will die, die in sin and go to hell. But when you have been redeemed by Christ, it becomes something to be joyful about. Therefore, Paul was grateful that he has been redeemed by Christ because of Christ our Savior. He saw that as one of the biggest and the greatest gifts he could ever have. Paul was saying, look, without Christ, I was alive and doing things, but I was doing it in the energy of the flesh, and I was headed towards condemnation. But now that he has saved me, I'm an apostle because of God's command, but I'm also an apostle because I've been saved, I've been sanctified, I have a glorious message to carry, that I'm not the only one who has been saved, but everyone can also be saved. The world needs salvation, and the saved ones are the ones who can carry this message everywhere where human beings are found. Third, he was an apostle because of Christ Jesus, who is our hope. People put their hope and trust in all kinds of things in this world. We put our hope in friends, in esteem. We put our hope in a system, a political party. Put our hope in your class, your school, your schoolmates, that they're able to help you. In your credentials, you've gone to school, you have credentials, or your bank account. People do these things because they think this is what will help them. But Paul, as an apostle, said Jesus is our hope. What does he mean by that? He means the human soul is made in the image of God. It is empty. It is looking for something to fill it. And the only thing that can fill this vacuum is God himself. The human being, human gifts cannot satisfy you. Money cannot satisfy you. Academic things cannot satisfy you. It is only God who can satisfy you. So Paul is saying, I've reached this point where I've been saved by God and I'm doing his command. Christ has saved me and I'm willing to preach it. And Christ is my hope. And therefore, with this, I think I'm qualified, now that I probably can see the end coming, to teach others as well. People like Timothy, people, like, people who are young, who are not finding their bearing clearly to know that God wants them to come to the knowledge of Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Now, this is just the greeting. And I'm spending the time for us to understand that, you see, the man who is sending the greeting is a powerful man. Again, they say in our languages, if somebody says, I'll give you something. Eh? Some Quatrequa says he'll give you something. You look at him and say, what does this man want to give to me? What does he have? Paul knows that very well and say, I the one writing to you. I the one who is talking to you. This is who I am. I realize who I am by the grace and the mercy of God, and I do not take it for granted. And therefore, young man, listen to me. Now, what does it teach him? Paul, the greeting by Paul, he names three qualities that a disciple must possess. Three things that that disciple, Timothy, must possess. And this is important for us to know it. In his greeting Timothy, 
He also says something, and that's something, let's read it again. Say, Paul said to Timothy, a true son of the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from our Lord and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ be unto you. Paul has been working with Timothy. Timothy is now obviously a little older, sent to pastor a church or to lead a people. And he's saying, I'm asking for three things for you. Those three things, you and I need them even up to today. What's the first one? He says there's a grace, the grace of God and of Jesus Christ. When we say grace, what do we mean? Grace is that unmerited, undeserved favor of God. Favor. Favor of God. He gives us grace. Is that grace that saves you? Is that grace that gives you day in and day out, makes it possible for you to breathe, to live and move and have your being in him? It is that grace that causes you to be able to do the thing that God wants you to do. And he's saying that grace is the grace of God and the grace of Jesus Christ. It is an abundant grace that can come only from him. It's an amazing grace. One of the popular hymns of the Christian church is the amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. The hymn writer thought he was completely in charge of the world and everything that was happening to him. But when the gospel was preached to him, and he realized that, but for the grace of God, I was headed for hell. He could only stop and contemplate on the amazing, amazing grace of God. Have you ever thought about the amazing grace of God? Scripture is clear. It is by grace, through faith, that we are saved. It is not of works, lest any man should boast. It is by grace that you are alive. It is by his grace that you have the mind to work. Your face, your beauty, it is all because of the grace of God. There's nothing and nothing and nothing that we ourselves have done. You see, we think this is Corona time. Oh, I have not had Corona. I have not died. Some have died. I'm still alive. I'm on the road. No accident. All of these things, it is all because of the grace of God. And for any disciple of Jesus Christ who has been taught properly, you must be willing to acknowledge that the grace of God is in your life. I'm not saying, you see, there are things that we say and we say them because they are now part of our religious vocabulary. Oh, how are you? I'm fine by the grace of God, by the grace of God. It's just a repetition. No, the grace of God is something that you've thought about. And you are saying with thanksgiving, you are saying with gratitude, and your lifestyle shows that you are grateful to God for what he has done for you. You see, then he said, there is the mercy of God, the mercy of God in Christ. If grace is the undeserved favor of God, mercy goes even deeper. What is the mercy of God? You see, grace, mercy, and the peace of God. What is mercy? Mercy of God. The mercy that he's talking about is something that is a different thing. There's a mercy of God. The mercy comes 
that you deserve something. You deserve the punishment because of the wrong you have done. But God is not going to give it to you now. He's not going to give it to you. When he looks at you, you think that you are so fragile that if he decides to beat you. <laughs> so I was watching a film recently and a father had gone to buy a car. The car was looking so nice, shiny, shiny. And this young guy was following the daddy, going round, 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 round. And finally, he, he gets a hammer. He takes the hammer, and what does he do? He walks to the car, bang, 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 bang. Then he come and see, come and see. The father goes, what does he see? The mirror is smashed, and the side of the car is smashed. He's boiling. He's boiling with anger. What, what, does he, what does he do to this child? Beat the child? Well, in a sense, does the child, they say foolishness is in the heart of a child. So how much beating will you give to this boy? How much beating will you give to Kekeli or Klenam to know that they don't do that? How much beating will you give to Joe T before he knows that he shouldn't do that? How much beating will you give to Equia before he knows that? You feel like taking this girl and beating, beating, beating life out of them. Then the child can say, Daddy, is the car spoiled? Is it spoiled? Say, so who did this? I did it. I did it. The child is so innocent. He knows he's done something, but he does not even understand the full import. That you took a loan, you bought a car, you'll be paying for it, and now this means going to the workshop to restore it. The father looks at the boy. Say, don't do that again next time. Oh, daddy, I'll do it again. The child is crying because of the way the father spoke. The father now tends to the child and is comforting the child. Don't do it again. You grow, you learn better. That is mercy. You and I deserve death. You and I deserve punishment for our crimes, for the sins of commission and omission. The things that God said, thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not smuggle. You should not do this. So that we do them knowingly. We disobey God. We lie. We gossip. We tell them truth. We say the things. We do the wrong things. We insult the government. We refuse to pray for them. We do all the wrong things. We read the Bible. The Bible does not inform us and change our character. And if God were to act against you and I, we'll be destroyed. But he looks at us. And the psalmist says he looks at us and he remembers that we are dust. Just as a father pities his children, so does the Lord pity us. Mercy, mercy, mercy. He's not saying we should sin so that mercy would abound, but it is his mercy when even we have sinned and you are crying to God, yeah, your grace, by your mercy that we deserve the punishment, but Lord doesn't give it to you because he knows that would destroy you. Why? Does he still have mercy on us? Because Christ has already died for us on Calvary's cross. And the last quality of the disciple, in addition to grace and mercy, is that they realize that there's peace. Peace from the Father. Peace is that assurance in your heart that in this life and the life to come, the price has been paid for you and that has been paid by Jesus. So he said, I give you my peace that passes every understanding. Timothy, 
stay on that job, no matter what happens, my peace will be with you. The Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Peace. He will be with you. And I will never and ever leave you. Stay on the job. Friends, this is just the beginning. Just looking at the words from Paul to Timothy, my son, let grace, mercy, and peace abound towards you. And that is my prayer for you and I. Send by God, live for him, and do his bidding. He's coming again soon. Be strong in him and in his mighty power. Amen. You just heard the radio broadcast from Calvary Baptist Church, headed by Reverend Dr. Fred Egbe. We trust you've been blessed. Do join us on Sunny FM every Saturday from 8 to 8.30 p.m. for an awesome time in the Word of God. Locate us right opposite the Mr. Biggs restaurant in Adabraka near the Kwame Nkrumah Interchange. As well, we're in Shiashi across the motorway from the Accra Mall. In Oibi, we're near the Cares Valley Event Center at the Goyal Filling Station. Our Amasaman campus is on the Danbridge Montessori School premises near the Amasaman Government Hospital. Again, we're in Botiano, opposite the Botiano Polyclinic. Otherwise, follow us on Facebook at Calvary Baptist Church GH and on YouTube at Calvary Baptist Church TV or email us via calvarybaptistghana at yahoo.com. You can also call us on 024-369-0485 or 0302-231-854 or reach us on WhatsApp number 0200-181680. God bless you.